If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Hello. In and After Show. I'm Lindsay Loveridge, the executive editor of Anime News Network. And with me here today is Shinso. I always point the wrong direction. I always... <laughs> <laughs> also known as uh, AJ, Mr. AJ Cosplay of the Cartoon Cypher. He's got his Shinso cosplay for The Last Stand between uh, Shinso and Deku in episode 99, which we'll mm-hmm. be talking about today. But before we get to that, um, I first want to say thank you to Anime NYC. They helped us put this whole uh, podcast video thing together for the last, well, all through the Attack on Titan season and up until now. This is our first episode without them, but um, we're excited to see them. They're based in New York, and I'm definitely going to be, and AJ, I think you're planning to be at their upcoming Anime NYC, yes. in November. So if you can make it out to that, you know, uh, tell Peter say hi, say hi to all of us while we're there. Um, I also wanted to let everybody know that we had new merchandise drop at Kaimono Merch. I know I had been talking and talking and talking about it, but it's really there. If you go to KaimonoMerch.com, you can see our new shirts. Um, we got some really nice stuff going on there. And if you subscribe to our newsletter at www.animenewsnetwork.com newsletter, um, we have a uh, coupon in there so you can get a little bit off if you decide you want to pick up a new hoodie. I have the hoodie. It is super soft. And we've also got some ringer tees, which I'm really excited about. I love ringer tees. It's kind of like the baseball tee style with short sleeves. And um, so we've got those there with our uh, streaming club design. And you're, you're going to want to pick one of those up. It's that, like my favorite t-shirt. Also, last, last uh, disclaimer, um, my yard is being mowed right now. So if you hear noise in the background, it's yard work and I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not pretty soon. It was just horrible timing as far as uh, when that started to get going. So um, yeah, but before we get to My Hero Academia episode 99, Deku's uh, new quirk that he got previous episode, but is now learning to master and the f- final results for the class 1A versus 1B battle, AJ and I are going to talk about the news. There was a rather interesting situation that broke over the weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many people in chat play uh, Mr. Love's Queen's Choice, which embarrasses me to say out loud. But Mr. Love, uh, Queen's Choice is a mobile game. It's a Chinese mobile game that has an English dub and it's been localized in English. But unfortunately, there's been some controversy involving the voice actors 
uh, as of late. Specifically, um, voice actor Jonas Scott um, was removed from the game over the weekend after he tweeted, uh, Taiwan is a country on his personal Twitter account. And after that, uh, Paper Games, who are the ones they published this game, as well as Love Nikki, which is actually one I played for a really long time on my phone. It's a dress up mobile game. Don't judge me. Um, <laughs> it's fun, okay? Well, Mr. Love I'm not Queen's judging. Yeah, Mr. Love Queen's Choice is another uh, uh, female player oriented game. It's a, it's a romance game. And uh, Jonas Scott voiced Victor in the game. But after his tweet, uh, they posted a Facebook post and then deleted it, announcing that they were removing him from the game. And when within about seven hours of that post, they removed all of his voice lines from the game. And this upset uh, two of the other voice actors who work on it. Mm -hmm. um, AJ, remind me, it's it's Joe. It's Joe, Joe Zieha, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, uh, mm -hmm. and Sean Chiplock. Sean Chiplock. Uh, for those who don't know, Joe Ziega is, um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, he's voicing a couple of anime like Cells at Work, Blue Exorcist, Hunter Hunter. And um, uh, Shin Chiplock is the voice of Subaru in the Ray Zero dub. He also plays uh, Sundere Bird in uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Sundere um, Bird, okay. Basically what he is. Um, <laughs> well, both those actors, they voiced uh, support for Jonah, they were saying they wouldn't continue working on the game until his lines were reinstated. And as a result of that, uh, we found out this morning that uh, both Chiplock and Zieha's lines were also removed from the game. So there's a lot of controversy going on right there. The official Discord for the game is currently offline. And there was a Facebook post, posted in the official Facebook group, basically saying that they won't allow any discussion of this on a case-by-case -case basis. And that currently, while there are rumors that the game's English game servers might shut down, that hasn't actually happened yet. There's been no official statement about the game actually being taken offline from the English market. But uh, this is actually not an unusual situation. Unfortunately, there have been situations in the past involving, yeah, involving uh, this kind of blowback when actors or celebrities or other people of import voice support for Taiwan or acknowledge Taiwan as a separate entity from China. Um, one of the big ones that non-anime fans might be familiar with was, uh, I believe he was the manager of the Houston Rockets. And he made a statement also on his Twitter and this ended up getting like Houston Rocket games pulled from sports channels in China, uh, ended up affecting their, uh, their endorsements with Chinese companies and other um, pressure on other companies that endorse the teams to remove that endorsement. Otherwise, China would also uh, kind of crack down on them. And AJ, you were telling me earlier that this is actually something that's currently going on in Genshin Impact as well, which is a really popular mobile game. Yeah, it broke out, I want to say, uh, early last year. Uh, no, like mid to early last year and people have talked about it into late 2020 about uh genshin impact's popularity really blew up in the past like two years and someone noticed that you can't type even type the, like it has a uh, genshin impact's online game you can play it on multiple platforms but uh there's like a online chat that you can always have to talk with other people you can't even type the words taiwan or hong kong or anything like that it'll immediately uh, it'll immediately censor those words, like they won't show up in chat when you type them out. Um, and because of that, a lot of people have come out and been like, I'm not playing this game or anything. And 
there's hasn't been anything. I don't think there's been anything that says like that was explicitly the thoughts and feelings of the game developers. Um, Cause the game itself includes so many different cultures and, and uh, references and everything. But because the main servers for the game are in China, it needs to abide by nationalist laws, which means that it can't have any, even if it is a, even if it is distributed globally, it cannot contain anything that can upset Chinese unity. So I think the only way they can get around that is if they literally develop a whole new server for the game in a different country, which you basically have to make the game from scratch at that point just to redistribute in different regions. So um, yeah, this yeah. is that's an important important point because um, it's easy to assume that the game makers themselves are of a particular political slant because these are the actions that are being taken, but there's also pressure on them by the Chinese government to to uphold these laws, otherwise they won't be able to do business anymore. So right. it, it's kind of like a, a two, the pressure is twofold. So either mm -hmm. Paper Games uh, immediately acts on this and removes any any actors or staff that support Taiwan and then seek out replacements and thus get to keep operating their, their game business, or they have to fold because China won't, won't allow them to operate any longer. So I'm not trying to absolve necessarily paper games for doing this. I know there's a lot of like anger in general about this going on, how this is going on and how these actors are being treated. But I'm just trying to make sure all like all the context is there for why this continues to keep happening. Um, other than the Houston Rockets, uh, there was another um, situation with CoverCore. So if people are interested in VTubers, um, CoverCore kind of came out and they had their first round of VTubers were very popular. Uh, they're the ones with the shark girl and the sort of uh, Cthulhu looking lady and the one who dresses like Sherlock and things like that. And they've since tried to launch um, branches off in other countries with VTubers of different nationalities and that included China. But uh, that ended up being, for lack of a better word, like a whole clusterfuck because it wasn't the Chinese VTubers, but instead it was I believe uh, a couple of their Japanese VTubers were sharing information about the demographics of their viewership and YouTube lists Taiwan as a separate country. And so when they shared that information, um, they had them separated. And that of course, that angered uh, some of the Chinese viewership. There was a uh, blowback, uh, cover core, um, issued like an apology, but the apology in English and the apology in Japanese were different, um, or maybe it was Japanese and Chinese were different. One of them contained support for the Chinese unification policy and the other one didn't. And then that of course blew up because they were saying one thing out of one side of their mouth and one thing out of the other. Mm -hmm. And I guess the end conclusion was just to not operate VTubers in China at all. And they shut down their entire uh, Chinese talent based off of that. So um, it can be, yeah, it can be really, really hairy situation. I'm hoping for the best for everyone involved. Um, you can still hear Jonah Scott probably in the upcoming season of Beastars when that comes out on Netflix, because he's the voice of Lugosi? Lugosi. Lugosi, yeah, if I remember right. So um, yeah, they're still getting, they're still getting work elsewhere, but you know, fans of the game, international fans of the game are, are pretty upset over this, this whole deal.
Well, this whole situation does unfortunately highlight the the stronghold that the China that the Chinese market kind of has on a lot of things because it's not. You're right. It is one thing when the game is kind of developed in China and just happens to be spread overseas. It's you can't always shake the the shackles of the of the origins of the game itself. As unfortunate as it is, um, I mean, even Japanese-based games have things. Even if you don't want to look at it in terms of like a legal perspective or a national perspective, even like tropes and ideas uh, that are are more indicative of the culture the games were developed in. Uh, but then sometimes they they get altered or or toned down overseas. I remember yeah. uh, my girlfriend, who who is uh, Taiwanese, um, so this whole thing hits a little close to home. Um, and I'm not even going to pretend that I understand the situation more than more than she does. But it has pushed me to look into it a lot, a lot more. So when it, when there's that specific situation, it is a bit understandable, and I want to give people the benefit of the doubt regarding, oh, like, the developers and artists and and gra- and graphic designers of these games and properties, they don't all feel this way. It's not a monolith. Most likely, they just are kind of forced to bend at the knee. Otherwise, no one gets paid. Nobody has jobs. Right. But then we have situations where. Um, it's not developed in China or anywhere near China, but we're still very conscious of what China's market does for us globally. So yeah, that's what's going on right now. It's still a developing story, the Mr. Love Queen's Choice. Um, I don't know if I mentioned earlier that it was also adapted into an anime that was streaming on Crunchyroll. Um, I don't, I assume that probably the voice actors reprised the roles for that if it was dubbed, but it was uh, not. I didn't even know it had an anime. Yeah, it did, it did. It was certainly a thing um, that happened, <laughs> you know. About, about Mappa animated it of, of all. Of course they did. Yes, yeah, of course they did. But they're working way too hard. They're working on everything. These they days. are. So that's that's the big story I think of this week. So I think it's about time we got talked about Black Whip and Deku and Senso and everything that happened in the last episode. AJ, are you are you ready to break down the episode? It's why I'm here. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> so, yes, episode 11 of season 5. I think it's officially episode 99. It is. Oh. We're almost at 100 episodes. Wow. Okay. So that that's actually insane when you think about it. It is. Yep. The show has been airing for like 4 years, like a season, a season a year, like yeah every eight months or so, a uh, year to every eight months, and it's look how far we've come. I know, I'm picturing what I looked like four years ago, and then like, just a fade across like, before <laughs> MHA, after MHA sort of feel. <laughs> I think I was still in law school when when the first season aired, and that, that reminds me of darker times. But, <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, we've officially reached the I, won't, I don't want to say climax, because you could argue this arc was filled with a bunch of climaxes, but the the titular, the not titular, the end of this final match, and thus capping off the end of this Class 1A versus Class 1B arc. We pick up where we left off last time. Deku's quirk was acting weird, and it turns out that one of the, now we discover, six dormant quirks within him that have accumulated from the previous successors of One for All, uh, specifically one called Black Whip, uh, went rampant. 
and started destroying everything right in the middle of the match, the final match between Class 1A and Class 1B. We're on Class 1A side. We have Mineta, um, Uraraka, Deku, and nope, that and uh, oh, uh, Mina, Pinky, Pinky versus uh, Shoda, Yanagi, Koda, uh, Nato, and Shinso. Yeah. Participating in Class 1B this time because you already participating participated in Class 1A last time. Uh, in the middle of the match, Deku's quirk is going out of control and he's in excruciating pain, doesn't know how to stop it. Uraraka basically goes up and tries to like calm him down and make sure he doesn't hurt himself. And she notices Shinso and says, use your brainwashing to snap him out of it. He manages to do that. And that's when he meets the previous holder of Black Whip within his head and basically says like, hey, stuff's happening. Be ready. Don't, yeah. don't, don't let your emotions get the better of you. You're dealing with a lot of power right now. And if you really, if you really want to protect people, you're going to need to learn how to control that. Uh, Till next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> He just leaves, and literally that is where the episode aired, with everybody kind of in this state of chaos. And we have uh, Vlad, the teacher of Class 1A, um, uh, Aizawa, and All Might basically off to the side with Aizawa saying, no, let's keep the match going. I want to see like what the, I want to see what will happen next. Mm-hmm. So this episode picks off with All Might basically saying, what the hell are you talking about? Did you not just see what happened? <laughs> He's like, yeah, but Shinso got it under control. And, you know, stuff is always going to happen. If, if it happens again, I'll stop it with my quirk because I can do that. Because it seems like the type of quirk that I can do that on. Um, and, you know, Shinso was able to stop it. I, I want to see how this plays out. I want to see if how they can basically take care of themselves. We get a little flashback of him training Shinso. So cute. Um, is they really are a good match and Aizawa all but points that out basically where he says hey look people like you and me if we can't protect ourselves we're dead like we're not exactly the most strong or offensive fighters we have to find other ways to uh to protect ourselves and he's training him how to use the uh the the ropes basically which apparently it took Aizawa years to learn completely on his own. I think he said it took him six years to do it solo. Mm-hmm. And so when Shinzo points that out to him, like, hey, this took you six years, he's like, yes, but I didn't have a mentor, and you have a mentor, so it won't take you as long. Yep. It, yeah. it very much reminded me of, um, did you ever watch Naruto at all? Are you going to call me out here live? No, <laughs> okay. I didn't watch Naruto. <laughs> No, it's fine. It just there was a similar moment in there where um where one of the where the the teacher basically trained one of the main characters and he had a very similar now you see why I'm training him because he's he's much like me. It this kind of felt like a a mirror of that. Um, you know, everything is a circle, everything influences each other. It it also could just be a giant coincidence and I'm reading too much into this. Get used to that people. Um so the match continues. We have Deku basically asking Uraraka if he can, if uh, she can make him weightless so that he can get up to Shinso and fight him one on one because he's still basically like Class One B's trump card with cutting off communications and everything because of his brainwashing. And we have Nato 
coming up from behind, saying some kind of depressing stuff when you read it out loud about himself, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. And Uraraka uses her, her the judo that she learned from her internships to just shut him down. And uh, she goes to take him to the cage while Mineta and Pinky basically take care of the rest of class 1B, both of them using their own combo attacks to basically try their best to catch the other one off guard. And of course, we can't have Mineta do anything without him having a moment. Uh, yeah. And I, I had him, even in the manga, I had him, when I read that part, I had a moment where I'm like, oh, that's actually pretty smart because he's bouncing all over the place. And he points out that I'm the only one my balls don't stick to. So I can use them to like ricochet all over the place and increase my speed. I also can't fully absorb damage. So I'm just going to get hit and go this way. And then goes right into Pinky's chest. Because of course, Jinso looks like a cat stuck in a ball of yarn. <laughs> the, the thing of him on, I actually did see a meme of that on Twitter. Someone shared that screenshot with just my cat over Shinso and yeah. me as my Zao. I'm like- You gotta DM that to me. I haven't seen it. I will, I'm, it's so cute. I'm here for anime cat content. Yeah, Mineta was doing so well until he, you know, pulled a Mineta. And yeah. I mean, like, just when you thought, hey, either the writers decided that maybe we don't need to do, you know, uh, yes. what's, that, what's that What's that trope called? It's called like, lucky something. It, it's, it's where like, guys in anime get in sexual situations through like misunderstandings um like it's unintentional but they usually oh, end up i know what you're talking about like the, yeah. like the trip and fall trip and, trope. yeah like the trip and fall trope and things like that um Mineta made it sound like you know he definitely intended to end up oh, in, he absolutely in, intended that in pinky's boobs i feel like the only reason he gets away with so much is because he looks like uh like bart simpson sort of like he's just He's not supposed to be likable at all. Yeah, like, yeah. Wish fulfillment in that sense. It's very much like, hey, look at this creep. Like, <laughs> that's like, you know, and maybe you, you write it off as okay because, you know, he still has to wear like a diaper as part of his hero costume. So it's like, hey, give and take. All right. Yeah, he's kind of gross. But on the other hand, he looks like an idiot most of the time. So he also never wins. If you he also never. It. Yeah, he never really wins either. Even in Can this. he just endlessly make those things off the yeah, top of his head too? Pop off when he takes them off. But if he, so basically they regrow. It's like skin kind of. Well, like how your skin grows back, maybe bad example, but they can keep coming off every time you take popping, growing back every time he takes them off. But if he does it too quickly or too frequently, his uh, scalp starts to bleed a bit. So, okay, so it is like hair. Of a, yeah, it's, it's his hair. Okay, yeah. okay. Not like a cyst, because that's what I thought of when you said skin, and I was like, No, 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 <laughs> I mean, like, your, your skin is always growing back and flakes off. That's kind of like what it is. Or I yeah. guess a better comparison might be uh, Momo's quirk, where it's directly tied to her body fat and stuff like yeah. that. And the more she loses it, the harder it is to make things. Similarly, the more sporadic he pulls them them out and the faster he pulls them out, it starts to hurt him, basically. Yeah. Um, but he didn't seem to have that issue here because they set it up before where he they tried to, uh, they planted all of the balls before to capture them. And so it did actually serve its purpose. It served two purposes. One, allowing him to move very quickly. And two, it limited where they could, where class 1B could go because if they get stuck, they're captured, which is exactly what ended up happening. Fast forwarding, um, after Uraraka gets Nato into the cage, 
uh, she wants to go help Deku, and he specifically says, no, I have to take care of him myself. I'm the only one fast enough to catch him. Uh, go help the other two because they're hard, having a harder time. And so she basically took care of the whole thing herself. Yeah. Uh, like, she immediately took care of um, of, Sh of Shoda, like, chopped him in the neck and then to knock him out, and then threw... Um, uh, Coda, the one who looks like a McDonald's employee, and just <laughs> judo threw her into the wall, and she got stuck on the balls. Yeah. And then Pinky came, Pinky came up and took care of a uh, poltergeist. So it was a. I feel like we downplay how skilled Uraraka really is. Yeah, she's actually she's well rounded. I feel like you know her. There's a lot of possibilities for her quirk as far as like applications and uses. You can either you know use it on a ally to make them like be able to jump higher, do things like that, or you can use it on an enemy to make them start floating and get disoriented or on objects, all sorts of things like that. But then she's rounded that out through training by, um, you know, learning martial arts. So, mm -hmm. you know, when she does get in situations of close hand-to-hand -hand combat, she and she looks strong. I feel like her character design actually has like a good sense of weight to it. to it. Yeah. Yeah, where you feel like, yeah, I think she could knock me out. Like if she hit me hard enough, like she could definitely pull that off. So yeah, I was happy with the uh the attention that she got in this episode. We got a little bit of her backstory recap a little bit when the teachers were talking about her growth. Or was that the previous episode? And I no, no, there was a quick flash. Like Aizawa is watching all of this and he gets yeah. a quick flash where she's like i just want to help people and it's like right. yeah good on good on you like yeah uh, maybe cole uraka was absolutely the mvp of this match because if you think about it she helped everybody yeah she <laughs> did she helped deku and she helped all of her teammates um so absolutely she which is funny because everyone was thinking that deku was going to be the center of right. this match similar to bakugo and he was, but kind of in the wrong reasons. Like everyone was worried about him because he was doing things that they didn't expect him to do. Yeah. And she captured basically, she captured NATO and she captured, she captured two, three out of the five uh, class B people, more or less on her own. Yeah. Which, which is really impressive. And then uh, we found, and she basically captured them at the same time that Deku managed to catch up to Shinso, who was, originally thought he had the upper hand by showing his skill over the um i forget what it's called but the 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 bandage wraps okay, that yeah. Aizawa showed him how to use by making the scenery collapse on deku uh which he originally tried to do before but not as well and he's like i'm not going to hesitate this time i have to be quicker i have to be faster and he almost got him until deku for a split second remembers what um with the previous one uh with the previous holder of one for all had where he's like calm your heart this is your power it's right. gonna be hard and but but it's a part of you now and he a capture scarf thank you um and he manages to for a split second stop the debris that's falling right yeah they're like two large pipes, pipes yeah. yeah like really big pipes they're not like not like sink pipes like big pipes yeah like, like big industrial pipes like you could go we could probably crawl into one of those they're yeah. so wide which makes me wonder how badly it would have hurt if those actually fell on him. I think that would have been pretty bad. My thought is that those are like really heavy, but he pulled basically like a Spider-Man with it, right? He was able to yeah. use them and then hold he them up. He wrapped them around and then just pulled them down to collapse on him. Yeah. And uh, Yaku managed to stop the ones that were about to fall on him for a split second. And then he's overcome with excruciating pain. Uh, 
because remember, this isn't just the previous holder's quirk, it's amplified with all for one's power. So he can't use it quite yet. Because remember, the most he can use of this power is 20% at right. most without fully hurting himself. Right. So he says, okay, I'll catch him with just 8%. I won't go above and beyond that. Shinso, like Spider-Man, is using the uh, capture scarf to kind of zip around. He's like, I got to retreat for now. I got to hide. Yeah. And uh, Nato is monologuing basically all of this going on and explains that, yeah, I can hold up to... At first, he bluffs and says, like, I can hold up to three powers. Um, but maybe I'm lying. Maybe I'm holding up to four. Yeah, Basically I came away from that. I came away from that, like, not fully sure. Like, because he asks uh, Uraka, when she's mm -hmm. going, how many do you think I can hold? And she assumes three because he's got, like, an accessory with, like, three watches on it. And which, you know, in most anime, I would make the same assumption because character design usually works that way, right? Like, there's usually hints in yeah. the character design of what the character's about. But then he's like, maybe I can actually do four. And when she put him in there, I actually still wasn't sure. I'm like, is he lying to her to scare her? And it is three. Or is it really four? Like, I wasn't sure by the end it, of it. I think it's supposed to be... <sighs> That's a good question. I think it's supposed... And this kind of also comes into subtle differences between the anime and manga. Because there is a brief moment before Uraraka like subdues him and throws him down, where he says that he's going to use um, Deku's quirk because he touched him and he can use yeah. the copy quirks of anybody that he touches. So he's like, "I got your quirk. I'm going to use it." And the anime tricks you into thinking that he's using it because it gives him a similar like energy around like him. the green lightning i think kind of shows up but then he can't do anything with it like i got the feeling that like he was able to like vaguely summon it but then couldn't launch it in any kind of meaningful way and then he he refers to it as a blank yeah like, yeah and we'll find out more about that like he actually explains his quirk in the next episode a little okay. bit because they they want him to do something with it but the, the real quick of it is he cannot copy every single quirk. If the quirk, the simpler the quirk, the better. If it has specific circumstances around it or has power stored up in it in some way, he can't use, well, he can copy the quirk, but he can't copy the things that the quirk stores, basically. Right, okay. So technically he could copy all for one, but he can't copy all the uh one for all but he can't copy all of the power that it accumulated okay, okay. so it's basic it was basically a bluff and it, it was funny watching the episode because the manga is a lot quicker a lot of the manga is a lot quicker regarding this whole arc and i'll get to that when we talk a bit about the arc as a whole because it's over right. yeah this episode is basically like a, a downtime episode and then we'll start the next arc proper uh the following about. week yeah um, but yeah, it's, that's really quick. I don't think you get a sense that he, oh, does he have it or not? It's like, no, it's a, it's a, it's a bluff basically. Oh, okay. Um, he can store four quirks. Uh, okay, because so it is he, four. He, he says he tried, uh, which is also probably why he didn't use Shinso's brainwashing because it's a very specific quirk because that's also what they were cautious about is like did he copy shinso's yeah they were worried that he had it so like when he was fighting with iraq she wasn't responding to anything he was saying out of precaution i thought that was smart on her part too out of precaution because it didn't occur that for some reason didn't occur to me while i was watching so if he had had it 
I totally would have fell for it. <laughs> <laughs> and, but he does reveal that he's, that whole thing about how maybe I have four quirks, maybe I'm just tricking you. That wasn't a bluff because we find out that the final quirk that he copied was, I keep forgetting his name, Dragon Ball guy, Shoda. Oh, right, uh, right. the double punch twin, sort of thing. Yes, yeah. a, a twin impact where basically anything that he touches or puts impact on, he can basically create a bigger, stronger impact in that exact same spot. And we get a flashback to the last episode where Nato was able to like briefly touch Deku on the cheek. And so while he's uh, going after Shinso, boom, gets... <laughs> The, the impact hits him and nearly knocks him out midair. Shinso tries to take this as an opportunity, goes to grab him. Deku shakes himself out of it and basically turns it over on him and pins him down. Class 1A wins the match, and thus they round everything up. Class 1A unanimously wins against Class 1B. And the last third of the episode is basically twofold, where... Uh, people threefold uh we see a little bit of class 1b mushroom girl makes an appearance where they're like yeah. oh you know i wasn't really excited about winning but i'm really upset that we didn't <laughs> yeah yeah it is like too real that i felt that yeah. um we get everybody being like deku what the hell was that um we thought your power was super strength like oh yeah that bit made me laugh because i think it was right like right after the match ended like i think three different, was it the teachers? They were like, hey, what's going on with you? Like, what is, what the hell? What the hell was that? Yeah, the teachers yeah. were like that, and Kaminari, Kaminari and uh, Kirishima were like, like, what the hell was that? We thought you had super strength. Like, that has yeah. nothing to do with super, super strength. And like, were you hiding this? And we even get a couple of quick shots of Bakugo, like kind yeah. of con just kind of taking it in. Yeah, he seems very pensive about the whole thing where you can't, I couldn't feel like I could quite get a read on him. I'm like, is he pissed? Because Deku's got a new thing and you know, that's just annoying because he's still trying to, over, you know, really surpass him. And now there's this new development. It's not fair because he probably, I would think what Bakugo knows about Deku that he might be able to come to the conclusion that is related to one, uh, one for all. I always want to mix those up. Uh, yeah. One for all. So I don't know. I just feel like in his shoes that would sting a little because he's been trying to kind of wrestle with the idea that Deku was chosen over him for that in general. And now he's seeing like another side of that particular quirk that's giving him another new cool ability that he doesn't have access to because he wasn't the one that was chosen. Sort of. I just imagine it's conflicting. It, it was definitely a conflicted look. I don't think he was angry. We, we've we seen him angry. Yeah. Um, he, he wouldn't be passively angry about something. And I think it's more so that, I think pensive is the right word. He was very like unsure. I think he was just kind of in a similar headspace of everyone else, like what the hell is happening. But now he also has the added um, context of, oh, what he has isn't normal. Is this just an extension of that? What the hell is, is is going to happen? And what does this mean moving forward? There'll be a little bit of talk about that in the future, but um, but that is a good point. He could also just be like simmering a bit more still because maybe he hasn't fully let that go. Um, and then the- I wouldn't have let it go yet. That, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's fair. Um, and then we have, uh, and Deku basically says, I don't 
he's straight he's relatively straight with everybody he's like i don't know what this is to be honest like yeah I don't know what's going on. My body is weird. My body is weird. Puberty. What? Yes. What's going on? Uh, but I do know that this is now a part of me, and I have to sort of figure it out moving forward. And everyone just kind of leaves it at that. Yeah. Um, and then we, and then the final part is we cut to Shinso, who basically puts together that the whole reason why he was brought over here was because this was basically a test. Yeah. It was to see if he was worthy enough of being transferred from the general studies course to the heroes course. And he's very hard on himself. And I'm like, yeah. dude, I get it. Like, <laughs> he's like, I, I couldn't fully use the techniques that you showed me. I wasn't quick enough on the draw. Um, I I did I he basically says I did my best but I knew I fell short and I understand if I failed. Um and he's like, no, the fact that you can kind of admit that is all the more reason why we think you pass, because you are going to fail, but you worked well with others, you adapted to situations, you show you proved yourself basically. So starting next year, you are going to be part of the hero course. And that's how the episode ends. And it's this really nice moment where everyone is just kind of like yeah, dude, Th this kid who grew up afraid that people would see him as a villain. And it's like everyone, everyone except him acknowledges that he earned the right to be, to train as a hero. I don't it know. It, it was a good ending for Shinso. And I'm also happy with the prospect that we might just get to see more of him now if he joins the official hero course. It, is it a spoiler if I ask you which class he joins? Uh, no, I actually don't remember which class oh, okay. he joins. Um, but we we will see more of him. This isn't yeah. the last. He doesn't disappear into the ether, basically. Yeah, we're well, just, we'll see a bit more. Yeah, because I'm not expecting to see a lot of one B again for a while. I mean, depending on how yeah. things. Ah, AJ's like, you don't know. You don't know. Who Lindsay. knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um, I did, as far as this match in particular went, uh, I thought, it, I mean, there were a lot of really good highlights for it. We talked about uh, Uraka and we talked about, you know, Shinso and, and Deku. But I did think that we didn't get to see as much of uh, the other Class 1B members so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, they seemed more like they were there to be powers that NATO could copy. Reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Because we saw him using, you know, the. Um, telekinesis that's how he was kind of like surfing around on those little like metal things that i assume he was moving with his 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 quirk is interesting to me like i i don't expect the manga to probably ever tell us but it, it would seem like suddenly getting like three new quirks and then trying to like mentally like control them on the spot would actually be really hard like if you've never had telekinesis and now like you're trying to move things with your brain and also make them bigger and larger and then fly through the air and you don't have experience doing that like i don't know i'd fall on my butt probably that's I, a really good point i didn't even think about the, the the mental gymnastics or the physical mechanics that would have to go into making the quirk work work out uh, i think they're they're a way you can explain it away of how he's so good with this is because he's probably trained with this class a lot and has oh, probably yeah, worked point. with all of their quirks at some point. Mm -hmm. um, and even when, uh, during, because we first saw his quirk during the tournament arc in season two, he wasn't fully using the quirks that he was copying. He copied Bakugo's quirk for a bit and Kirishima's, mm -hmm. but 
he wasn't able to fully bring them out because like you said it you got to jump around a lot with it. it it kind of feels like swapping between two languages on the fly there's maybe an extra right. mental hurdle that kind of goes into adjusting like that but speaking of NATO, what did you think about some of the stuff he was saying? It, it seemed to be building off of what he said in the previous episode about that whole idea of, uh, oh, you know, I'm not really the main character of this story. I know that like I'm not as impressive compared to you. I'm not the chosen one or anything like that. People even say that my power isn't very good or practical on its own. Uh, but if I'm not going to be the main character, I'm going to be that side character that completely steals the show. And I think that fully explains why he's so over the top. It does. Because think of think of some of the other like popular Shonen Jump properties there are and which side characters like stand out the most for having loud personalities or just like, like immediately what that reminded me of was Demon Slayer and Lightning Dude who is, mm. I don't know if I'd say he steals the show so much as like, he annoys me a lot and is impossible <laughs> to ignore. But both him and, and Boarhead Guy, like Tanjiro's a good boy and I like Tanjiro and it's, his fight scenes are really cool. But on the other hand, like Boar Guy, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name right now. Like he's still my favorite because he's got like, the interesting looking swords because he intentionally like hacks up the blades on them so they're all like mangled and scary looking and he's really loud and all he wants to do is punch things and yeah so i mean there's always kind of those side characters i think that that manage to shine through over the main character that you end up like developing a fondness for uh dragon ball z like for me like i like bulma i've always liked bulma i think it's cool like how sciencey she is in her inventions and stuff like that and um, even though she's not the person like shooting giant energy beams out of her hands. So yeah, yeah. A, can you think of a, can you think of a series you watched recently where you ended up rooting for a secondary character more than the main character? Uh, one of my favorite series of all time is Hajime no Ippo. Yeah. And, and my favorite matches are the ones that have nothing to do with Ippo. In fact, there's a, the way the anime was adapted was the series is a pretty straightforward like heightened boxing series so like right. the main battles are just boxing matches and you know we focus on the main character every now and then we cut to other characters boxing and getting title belts there was an ov if if anyone in the chat knows about hajime no Ippo, they know about the kimura ova there's an ova that's specifically about one of the comic relief characters basically mm -hmm. uh trying to fight one of the scariest boxers in the series uh -huh. and it is hands down one of my favorite fights like i will still period periodically go back and and watch that fight because it's such a because i felt for him more than anything else that was going on and yeah. it's so yeah there are moments like that and i can going back to naruto there's a character named rock lee who is a fan favorite right. for the longest time until the series just completely forgot about him amongst a lot of other characters but during its he he heyday he was he was kind of that really quirky differently drawn character right that a lot yeah, of yeah, the rooted thick for. eyebrows and kind of the bowl cut, bowl cut sort of, and the yeah. big eyes and yeah. he had a similar he actually had a similar thing to nato where uh, uh without going too much into it he basically had a condition where he couldn't do ninja techniques like everybody else 
-hmm. So he basically had to train his body really, really hard uh, to specifically do hand-to-hand -hand combat. And he's like, I'm not a genius. I'm a, I'm a screw up, but I'm going to train so hard that I can surpass the geniuses. And I, it's the, it's a classic underdog trope. Yeah. And it really gets you to root for characters like that. Yeah. Sometimes, it, sometimes it's the side characters too, that they, they have to try harder than the main character in some ways. And that makes them more endearing is because you, you're watching them like be in the shadow of the main character the whole time and just try and try and try and try and, you know, usually there's some sort of emotional payoff there where they have like their big yeah. moment and then you're crying. You're like, why am I crying? And yeah. Yeah. Love a good yeah, You just character. reminded me that Naruto never had that payoff moment for him. And I'm and now I'm upset. <laughs> he got he got a chibi, like a chibi like spin-off spin show. Yeah. Yeah. Rock Lee and his ninja friends. That should actually speak to how popular the character always was. And who knows, maybe Nato will get his own spin-off show. Or he he feels like the character that desperately wants his own spin-off show. Yeah. Yeah. Like I won't be the main character of the main show, but like I'm I'm not going to uh I'm not gonna like you're not gonna forget about me basically. And I don't yeah. think any of us are gonna forget about NATO. No. I think that's yeah. he definitely made an world. impression. He did, yeah. for sure. So looking back on this arc as a whole, I know there's been some uh thoughts about like feelings. some contentious feelings about how long it's been god you know. it sucks jackie's not here today <laughs> jackie is hosting e3 everybody so you can see her at e3 but that means she won't be here this week or next week because she's off doing off doing that but yeah you know i feel in the middle about it like i have there have been uh battles that i've really enjoyed mushroom girl of course and I mean, I, I liked NATO. I I liked everything with Tokoyami. Um, there have been some stands, definitely some standouts. Uh, so I, I wouldn't go as far as to say like this arc was unnecessary or even that it was really too long. I feel like also in the tradition of Shonen series, like having a training arc is pretty normal, mm -hmm. even when it is like 12 episodes. Um, and I, I feel like they, they managed to do enough different things for each one that it never felt stale. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean I'm not really looking forward to the following arc. Even though I've enjoyed myself with this one, I'm really looking forward to the following arc, just in the name of conversation in some ways. Like, we've had a good time, I feel like, talking about each match individually, but it is kind of getting to a point where, like, discussion sort of follows the same routes most Pattern, of the time. Like, what did you think of this fight? I thought what? it was this. Yeah. Exactly. And so I'm thinking like with the upcoming arc, you know, if there's more surprises, more twists, more, you know, different developments each time, it's just going to lead to more interesting discussion, at least for the show. Can you read the look on my face? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's tricky because I think I know what, knowing the arc that's coming next, mm -hmm. I think I know what the, the writer the the writer was doing mm -hmm. um he basically this is ostensibly the turning point between the school life stuff and the hardcore societal stuff okay so like this is this is the last i've mentioned this a couple of times this is the last peaceful no stakes you could say that we'll get for a while every arc after this has some degree of heavy stakes for the characters involved, both the heroes and the villains. Um, it's, 
I'm trying to I'm trying to go into it without giving too much away because I don't think I'll be able to fully uh, highlight how much I'm anticipating what's happening is I literally just reread it in the manga and it's I almost wonder if they're gonna censor it or how they're going to handle the people. Oh wow! Yeah, dark stuff. It's it's hands down the darkest the series has gotten to this point. Like imagine if Stain, like mm -hmm. it, uh, the whole Stain arc was dark, but he was mostly like off screen, mm -hmm. and like a lot of what he did was implied. Imagine if we just had a whole arc focusing only on Stain. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, essentially what the next arc is going to be. Yeah, I'm wondering if, if based on you know the teaser we're getting right now, if it's going to be one of those things where we're going to get like five or so episodes into this next arc and be like, remember the good old days? Remember the good old days when <laughs> class one A and one B just showed up to school and they got to pew pew at each other a little bit and then go home and go to bed. Remember that? Yeah. Uh, it's. I feel like for this arc, though, so I, I know what he's doing. It, it serves two purposes. One, this is kind of like the calm before the storm. And two, uh, I think I can say this. The next arc isn't linear. It takes. It's taking place at the exact same time as this arc. Oh, so while we've been, like, looking in on what they've been doing, there's been things going Something on. Something else going on out in the there. And the next arc basically goes into that. So the next arc will end around the same time this arc ends. And so that's that's kind of what I think he was doing. He was sort of creating a framing device of here's how here's what happened to these characters. Here's what happened to the heroes. Sheltered. And sheltered. And then here's what happened with these characters. <laughs> um, let's just say that this wasn't the this isn't the last, the only training arc that was happening. Oh right. Well, I mean, we we've we've known just generally speaking that you know the villains have been moving pieces around, and yes. I mean we've seen some of that even in the movies. As far as like, um, I think the last the last movie we saw, I think that was the first time we got to see like the evil mad scientist doctor. Yes, I'm I'm an appearance to remember in him, Doctor yeah. Eggman. Yeah, the Dr. Eggman of the story. And I remember seeing him and being like, wait, I thought this was a one-off film. That's a continuing character. I know about that guy due to news articles that I had to write about him. So I'm like familiar with him. Um, but yeah, so I mean, and there was the stuff earlier in the arc before they really got things going on with the, the Nomu going on. So, I mean, we know that we know that there's 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 stuff going on. Yeah, there's trickery. Usually, usually in shonens, it's always a matter of in the middle of an arc, we'll cut to something going on. We'll get a flashback of here's what the villains did. Um, it's rare that we'll get a whole that we get a whole arc without the heroes. Like, just okay, so broken. see that entices me a lot because I didn't know it was going to be on that level because I didn't know that it was going to be stuff happening simultaneously. So if all of our main hero characters are off, you know, doing school time, are you saying that we might get like? six or more episodes that is strictly from the point of view of the villains and what they're doing. Absolutely. Like, no. Wow. Yeah, I'm really excited now. <laughs> uh, but we'll have to get through the next episode. The next episode is is the final bit of downtime, like kind of the resolution to the exam, what Deku's quirk. Uh, we'll get some stuff with Aries, as we see in the preview. Um, and then... I think Jackie, will, let's just say, I think Jackie will be very happy when she, when comes, she comes back, back. Yeah, in two weeks from now. Yeah. It's, 
so so that's what I think like narratively he's trying to do. As far as like personal enjoyment, um, personally, I think this you could have maybe taken three or four episodes out of this arc and condensed it. Um, especially like I noticed with this episode and I've noticed it with others where this was like maybe three chapters in the okay. manga and they there were mo- points where they stretched out like even that moment where Deku was holding the pipes mm-hmm. and they're cutting between everybody yeah and like explaining like he's still and holding he cuts, those pipes <laughs> like he's still holding it and it cuts and he's like oh I was only able to hold it for a second it feels more like an actual second in the manga whereas here it's like okay like things are drawn like everything is still there I don't think there's necessarily anything there in terms of filler but there's a lot of um there's a lot of like added context to things which is good but it makes everything feel stretched out and you know the structure of the arc itself makes everything feel routine every match was either one or two episodes and it's like you know exactly and it can be fun to look at things from like a sports perspective shout out to that one joke with midnight commentating and jiro just in the background like we support unbiased commentary and journalism like ah that that that's a nice payoff to the whole thing with vlad up until this point because he was off because yeah he couldn't commentate because he was off he was off uh, checking in on everybody but um i think if you were i think there are going to be two very different big opinions on this arc. If you really don't care about the side characters and just want to focus on Baku, Deku, and Todoroki, for example, uh, you're maybe only going to care about like 30% of this arc. Right. And you're not going to get to the part that you care about until four or five episodes in. Uh, If you did want to see more of the side characters, which I think you, Lindsay, you wanted to, I think that's where you'll find the most enjoyment. This isn't the last time we'll see them. This, This is probably the most focused get like individually but you get the same you'll get more of a feeling moving forward that we'll be looking at class 1a and class 1b almost together now instead of like just class 1a uh because you know the whole through line is training the previous generations and this literally is the best of the previous of the of the upcoming generation so we kind of need to see where they are mentally, socially, um, see them wrestle with their insecurities, see how practical they, fear, uh, thinking about how practically they'd be in dangerous situations moving forward. And then when society almost literally collapses in on itself, it becomes a question of, okay, will this generation do better? Will they do the same? Will they do worse? Right. I don't know. I think those are the types of questions that he's setting up. It's overall, I think I think my hero shines in those in those individual character moments. The tricky thing is the plotting to get to those character moments can feel a lot more drawn out than it needs to be. It's not that it's bad. It's just when you look at everything collectively, it's like you could have trimmed the fat there. You could have trimmed the fat there and maybe gotten to the same. To the same spot but what what do i know i'm just a random just cosplay. A sorry i'm just a guy so I'm just, I'm just a man dressed in a shinso is what i was gonna say yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if like you know considering my hero academia the manga is still going and it's highly successful and we could be looking at another 100 episodes who knows if you know somewhere another five years down the line people are like i want to get into my hero academia but i haven't started yet 
And there's so many episodes. Where do I start? If this is going to be the arc where people are like, you can skip it. Maybe. Uh, no, you, no, the whole thing no. Basically forced it so that you can't skip it. That's true. Um, yeah. Although if you if you don't want to watch all those episodes, you can check out our glorious recap that we did on Anime News Network's uh, YouTube channel or read the Anime News Network article on their website. Um, save Very yourself. Very impressed with that plug. That was yes. a good plug. I'm, I'm really I'm, happy about it. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying very hard to to pull to pull my weight around here. Um, <laughs> also, a little self plug because I'm the one who wrote and edited those articles and videos. Very good video. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's, it is kind of reaching a, definitely not a similar point of One Piece or anything, but I feel like it'll be easier for people to jump into shows like Demon Slayer and Jujutsu Kaisen, which just have one to two seasons compared yeah. to My Hero, which is now on its fifth season. And I think aside from the first one, all of them are two core. So I that adds up. So I think so. I'm trying to remember if the last one was... The last one definitely was. With it definitely was, okay. And, and then Gentle Criminal. Right, but that's right. just it. it. We talked about this with Jackie. I don't think this festival arc needed to be uh, to see. I, it, this is kind of the weird thing where it's like, I think if this season was just continuous, if we didn't have to worry about seasons, yeah. if it was fully planned out, I think you could tighten the, I think the anime could have tightened the pacing a lot more. But because it's going on a seasonal schedule, of course, to like make sure the quality is still there. And I think it's benefited the most from that. Yeah. They need these arcs to fit into 11 to 12 episodes. Yeah. And I think with arcs like this, you kind of feel like, eh, this didn't need to be 12 episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm sure there's a pretty good argument pro-con-wise as far as having a continuously running show like One Piece versus something that takes seasonal breaks like My Hero Academia. Personally, I'm a, I'm a fan of seasonal breaks because that means if I fall behind, I have like a few months to like Zoom to catch up, yeah. um, which, you know, but depending on your schedule, some people don't want to wait. But then if you did have to wait or if you didn't have to wait, then maybe we'd have more filler. Well, so, it's like comparing this this schedule to Black Clover, which uh, did have dips in quality, even though when it when it did well, it seemed to really do well animation wise. But the pacing can be very rough comparatively, and then you have this, which technically has better pacing and and more consistent like artwork and animation. Mm -hmm. But then it becomes a question of, yeah, but. Does it need to? Does it need to be this long, etc.? I, I always prefer this one. I'm actually watching Kirko's Basket on on Netflix. Oh yeah, um, and I think that was one of the first anime, one of the first like at the time it was still ongoing. One of the first ongoing shonen anime be like, we don't need to do this all at once. We can break this up and do like a season a year or something. Yeah. And while it was agonizing to wait, watching it all together, I'm like. No, this works. This works so much better. I'm glad that they didn't try to just pump it out on a weekly basis. Another one they did that with was uh, Yoamushi Pedal, which people can, I think, check out because it's now on Funimation. Actually, I think just put it all streaming out there. If you didn't catch that the first time, it's a cycling anime. That has... Oh, Yoamushi Pedal. Oh, yeah. Yoamushi Pedal. I, I watched the first season of that while it was airing. And uh -huh. there were moments because each season's like, longer than a two than a two core anime it's like 30 something episodes per season yeah yeah and yeah you watch that weekly you really feel them stretching things out mm -hmm. and there's only so much you can do to make cycling 
exciting yeah. coming from someone who loves to ride his bike. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, it's tricky. I do think there is an interesting conversation there, and we yeah. may never know unless this gets a reboot. I don't know, ten years from now. Uh, My Hero Academia reboot. I can't even. I, yeah, I don't want to that. think about it either. I don't think it'll ever get a reboot. My Hero Academia Brotherhood. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of like this generation's Full Metal Alchemist, if you think about yeah. it. Yeah. And Full Metal Alchemist got a reboot because it was airing season. It was airing weekly with the manga, and then it's like, oh, we caught up. We can either put in a bunch of filler or go around direction. Then they went like, make stuff up. Yeah, yeah, make stuff up, like to, to add things in here, and then <laughs> now you have people that love it and people that hated it. But then it became like, oh, marketing. We can just, we can just reboot it, follow following the manga now that it's done. Or like the manga was ending around the time that Brotherhood came out. It's just um, endless fandom fighting about which versus which. I actually had this same conversation. Um, I met my new sister-in-law over the weekend, and she, you know, never met her before. She found out I watched anime and she's like, you know, I watched Full Metal Alchemist, but I think the original is better than Brotherhood. And I'm like, interesting. Go on. <laughs> there are people that have that opinion and I am friends with them. And it's like, I could be, I could be, uh, I could be mean and be like, oh, okay, so you're wrong. No, but, uh, I think, I think the original FMA, that's like a whole other discussion piece in and of yeah. itself. I think yeah. FMA has a stronger start. Um, Brotherhood has a more satisfying second half and conclusion. I don't understand like the better opening third, song and better openings. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I I jam out to one opening from the original O uh, three series, but I can jam out to like every opening. Oh, speaking of reboots, Fruits Basket has, has been incredible. This is, I agree. I think Fruits Basket is a great example of you know exactly everything that you have. Mm -hmm. And you pace everything. I almost argue Fruits Basket is perfect pacing. I still need to catch up with season three. But just based off of season one and two, every 30-minute episode is so packed with content. Yeah. It doesn't feel overwhelming. It feels like you're watching a movie every episode. I had that impression when we did uh, Attack on Titan last season, too. Because it was just like... I mean, and I assume the manga is far enough, was far enough ahead when they were working on that as well, that they were able to sort of plot things out a certain way. Because it seemed like every episode I was like, oh, did you see that? Or, oh, that he did that because of that reason. Oh, like, there was always really good, uh, the framework was good. The blueprinting for the episodes was also really, really good. Um, but yeah, oh, what about Tokyo Avengers has been great also. I'm not fully caught up on Tokyo Avengers, but I have watched Tokyo Revengers. And I just want to say, um, I enjoy that show for its like unique brand of of silliness. I like I like that the main character um, is not a hot shot, like he's just been dropped time like traveled back in time is trying to like work out logistics between two rival Tokyo gangs, but he's a complete dweeb and gets his butt kicked all the time. <laughs> and he's trying his best. He's trying his best. I think maybe he'll do it because you know he's got that shown in heart deep in there but man he's gonna get his ass kicked quite a few times so yeah tokyo adventure is great um and we're gonna be dropping uh we should coming up i guess to wrap up this episode um the next thing we're planning out um i'll have more details for you guys probably next week or so but we're, we got to do that summer trailer watch party which means 
got to watch all the trailers for all the upcoming summer shows because that's actually just right around the corner. Um, oh, wow. No wonder July. I'm dying of heat over here. <laughs> July 1st. July 1st is uh, when the summer summer season officially starts. So everything's starting to come down the pipeline. AJ, is there anything you're looking forward to already that you know about? Like, I feel like we were gifted a lot of really, really good shows this season. There's got to be good stuff next season because I feel like I also say this like every single season. But um, there's less really looking forward to it and more so just curious about the reactions to Dragon Maid season two. <laughs> yes. Okay. So that is that is happening for a um, variety of reasons that give me anxiety to think about. It's it's the giant boobies. We can just say that it's the weird. It's actually not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> that's the only thing that's like stuck out to me so far. But I mean, I loved the first season of um, of Dragon Maid. Like, super cute. I love the dynamic between the characters, um, and the finale when uh, Kobayashi confronts Toru's dad. Like, made when me she cry. Comes to her dad at the end. Yeah, that made me cry. I was like, mm, over it here. Was, it was really good, but a lot of that. Uh, in a more like serious technical case, a lot of that was up to the director who mm -hmm. did a phenomenal job of, I don't want to say changing, but definitely interpreting? interpreted the original manga, which I, I've i read a few volumes. A lot of the same beats are there, but it's not as wholesome as the anime. So, it has, I don't do it as different priorities. Um, the artist, Cool uh, Kyoshinsha, which is a, it's a, a stage it's a pen name that literally means like cool christians it's like a joke yeah. um anyway their thing is uh giant boobies and they draw a lot they draw a lot of manga a lot of, mm -hmm. a lot of manga that I, I had to do like research this. on their work for an editorial that we did on our channel yeah. and uh there are some things where it's like Okay, I know what this guy is mostly concerned about. Got it. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah, he's very prolific. He's had a lot of series running at like the exact same time. I have no idea how uh, how they do that. Um, just like a crazy amount of output, but most of it is sexy. Yes. And includes giant boobies. So yes. that includes Dragon Mage. Nothing <laughs> so. wrong with giant boobies. I nothing wrong with giant boobies. They're just you know they're on the page. It's really everything surrounding the giant boobies that, that makes me raise an eyebrow sometimes. But uh, the thing is, uh, the director of season one, if you don't mind me being serious for a bit, oh, uh, sure. the director of season one was one of the casualties in the KyoAni fire. That's true, um, yeah. So it's, I'm not, I didn't look up who the director of this is. It's probably a, a regular KyoAni director. If mm -hmm. you think about it, I think this is their first series that they put out since that incident. So yeah. by default, I'm already going to watch it, like no matter what, by default, I think it, questionable things in it aside, I don't think there's anything, I'll probably be proven wrong, but I think it should be supported if only to help KyoAni get out of that hole because of all the, the pantheons in the industry, KyoAni really does stand above, not just for their quality of work, but the way they treat their people, the way they credit their workers and try to upstart writers and directors and everything so it'll be interesting from like a fantasy okay how will this anime adapt to the source material will it play the source material more straight will it try to keep the wholesome energy of season one and 
as far as the legacy of the director uh, that that followed, will it also be? Will it do him justice as well? Yeah. Um, uh, just to, just to clarify, the director for the new season, his name is uh, Yasuhiro Takemoto. It's not his first uh, direct directorial debut. He's he's actually been with Kiwani for quite a while, but the last few that he direct he directed um, Amagi Brilliant Park and also um, let's see, there were a few. Sorry, there were a few others on here. Uh, he, he worked on Lucky Star oh, as well. Okay. He directed the OAV and also was an episode director for well. I, you could say he directed Lucky Star after he took over from the other Lucky Star director, who is, uh, he's not with Kiwani anymore. Oh, um, uh, yeah, it's a different, it's a different director. He's very, um, it's got a lot of controversy around him, mostly because he's a horrible person to work with. And also, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you could say he's mostly the director of Lucky Star, Amagi Brilliant Park. Uh, okay. Totally, this season will be funny. He, he yeah. has good comedic timing then and everything. Yeah, yeah. He's got he's def oh and Full Metal up. Uh, full Metal not Full Metal. Full, full metal, metal, metal Panic. Panic. Yes, the second raid he also directed. Did he uh, do Fumofu? Uh, yes, he did. Okay. Do Fumofu. Mm -hmm. That also explains why he was brought on for Amagi Brown Park because that was the same writer as Full Metal Panic. Even the mascot is the same mascot as one of the mascots in Full Metal Panic. I love Fumofu. It's probably one of my favorite comedy animes of all time. Yeah, yeah so that, that's at least uh, that's at least um, that's good. Okay, the, then, the then I think it'll be a, a worthy a worthy follow up and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll be sure to catch up on the uh, upcoming PVs to give our full thoughts and stuff. Like, will we be doing that next week as part of the show? Uh, no, probably won't be a part of the show. I've got to work some stuff out with Chris. Usually, it's. Um, Usually it's we set up a whole big playlist and then we got to do some promo and stuff for it. So once I know when it's happening and and everything, I'll be sure to let everybody here know what exactly the plan is. But it's looking to be it'll probably be a good time. And Nick okay. also mentioned Kageki Shoujo. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, maybe we, yeah, uh, that's the one about uh, Takarazuka. Like it's oh. Takarazuka, so that one should be fun too. But yeah, I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show. Uh, next one will be my hero, my hero Academia <laughs> episode one hundred and three digits. Uh, yeah, three. We're gonna enter the three digits, and I'd like to remind everyone again to sign up for our newsletter at www.animenewsnetwork.com/newsletter. You'll find a coupon in there to get yourself some cool new Anime News Network merchandise, which we are selling over at kimonomerch.com. So I want to thank AJ for joining me, and we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.